Hello, people, and welcome to the Geekatorium podcast number three. Yes, we've made it. Another episode. And oh, unlike the other ones, which I had recorded a year previously and, you know, released a little bit later, this one was recorded this week. And I'm releasing it because there's some time sensitive stuff that we're talking about. And it's great to sort of get that out there as quick as possible. And joining me this week is uber geek and comedian uh, Rob Deb. Now, I've known Rob for quite a while now. Uh, I met him originally in the Edinburgh Fringe. Uh, he, the first time I knew him, he was doing a stand-up show called The Dork Night. And he was also the sort of resident geek expert at the Battle of the Superheroes. So he would correct comedians if they were just making things up about their superheroes. It was good fun. So it felt like it was a good thing to get him involved, especially because he does have a link to the Geekatorium of the past. And we talk about that uh, as we get into the podcast. So have a wee listen out for that. Now, I travel around the country doing these podcasts. I try and, I try and get people wherever I can. They maybe record at my house or their house or whatever. But I agreed to meet Rob in central London. And as you can probably appreciate, central London isn't the quietest of places. It can be quite noisy in quite a lot of areas. And even the venue that I thought would be quiet enough got busy just before I met Rob. So step forward, Orbital Comics, who were lovely enough to allow us to use their back room to record this. It was brilliant recording it there. If you don't know Orbital Comics, they're an absolutely amazing uh, little comic book shop based in central London, near Leicester Square. If you're ever in central London and you're wanting to get your comic book fix, you're wanting to find some collectibles, some trades, some t-shirts, whatever, go pop in there. They are actually an award-winning comic book shop uh, they won the will eisner spirit of comics at san diego comic-con so you know they're a good comic book shop and it's good to support your local comic book shop so please so a couple other things if you've enjoyed this podcast other things you can check out include the Cheap Show uh, by Paul Gannon and Eli Silverman. Obviously, Paul uh, is the man who created the Geekatorium in the first place and was kind enough to ha let me use it to create this podcast. But so go check out The Cheap Show because it's an absolutely brilliant podcast. If you fancy something a little bit more visual, I definitely recommend Matt Blair's Popcorn and Wine, where he sits down every week with a different comedian and discusses their favorite movies over wine. Um, the popcorn is not edible, but the wine is very edible and it's good fun. I've been on it. Uh, Ria Lena's been on it. She, she was uh, the guest on here last week. Uh, Doug Segal's been on it. Uh, Jay Foreman's been on it. And it's great. And I'm really annoyed because I did it and I got, he quizzes you on like your favorite movies and stuff like that. And he really, really tested me. And I got really annoyed because I only managed to get five out of ten. Um, and I, uh, I was so angry. Um, and then Doug went on and he's beating me. And he was taunting me throughout the video. So now I feel like I need to get back on that and I need to prove my knowledge. Maybe it's something else. I don't know, like Jurassic Park or Back to the Future movie. Something like that. Because I think I could, I need to bring him down a few pegs because it's really, really annoying me. Um... If you want to come and see me live, uh, I've got some dates for you. Uh, in March, you, I'm bringing my panel show Star Trek versus Star Wars up to Glasgow to part of the Glasgow International Comedy Festival. That's on the 24th of March at half past three in the afternoon. And that's at the Yes Bar. You can get your tickets uh, on uh, the Glasgow International Comedy Festival website. 
I've also got my solo show, which is the next day, uh, 25th of March. It's got, uh, and it's at the same time, half past three, and it's in the same venue, Yes Bar, and that's called I'm a Fan. So Rick Coran's I'm a Fan. So if you fancy checking out either of those shows, you can get your tickets online now. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please, please, please subscribe, share it with other people you think would enjoy it. Uh, definitely please leave a review. It'd be nice to get that there. Um, and if you really, really enjoyed it, and you feel like you want to support the podcast, I have just set up uh, something on coffee.com. That's K-O-F-I.com forward slash Rick Carranza, where you can buy me a coffee. You can buy me a coffee and that will go towards helping me run the podcast and stay awake as well. But definitely for running a podcast, there's lots of overhead costs because uh, with travel and hosting the podcast on SoundCloud and stuff like that. So I'd really, really appreciate your, your help there if you have enjoyed it. Just let me know. I'll put all the links to this and to Rob's uh, social media and stuff in the, in the, in the section below. Uh, but without further ado, let's get on with it. So it's just generally like an awkward start, an awkward finish as well, because I don't have any sort of. It's a geeky show. I exactly. mean, that's, that's it, always going to have a certain social fragility. Yep. I'd say, <laughs> welcome to the socially fragile there's the, show, Insula. There's nothing moment. like um, trying to be social as a geek, is there? No, well, this is, this is weird. This is weird for me doing this with you because I was thinking, and I think specifically with yourself, because I was thinking about this. Um, I mentioned it to you sort of on a message. Yeah. Uh, I'm Rob Deb. This is Rick Carenza. Mm. Um, this is now 2008. You've invited me on to, to the Geekatorium. Yeah. And I'm happy to be here. And 2008? Well, 2018. Because <laughs> that was the thing. 2008 was yeah. when me and Paul Gannon did yep. the very first set Oh, of course, yeah. Podcast, so it's yeah. kind of like the tenth anniversary. Yeah, but like, so now it's like a reboot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, I feel like I'm a pre-crisis character. Uh huh. Who sort of <laughs> landed on this like more contemporaneous world? Oh, brilliant! You this know, a, like, no, you, do you know what you are? You're a prime Spock in the in the Kelvin timeline. That's that's <laughs> it. That's that. That was it. I was thinking. Uh, no, but that is very much how I felt about this. Yeah. Um, because it did make me think, well, after, you know, you were kind enough to invite me. Yeah. About, because this 10 years is also the 10 years of Marvel as a cinematic universe, really. Oh, of course it is, yeah. Iron um, Man, yeah, yeah. This is Which also is why we've got be, Infinity War. Yeah. yeah. We've really seen um, a, a lot of radical overhauls mm. in, that, in that time in between, yes. not least of which... Um, in terms of both comedy, geek, geek comedy. Yep, absolutely, um, I'd agree. Broadening its own sort of spectrum mm. in, in in many ways. And just how stuff like, I I I quit largely, I think, in a sense, because I wanted to focus on live work. Yep. And Gannon was, he was talking about these things called podcasts. <laughs> and and you, would, you would download them in like, maybe 20 minute chunks yep. on your IBM computer <laughs> and I was Showing like your age yeah <laughs> I, I was like I really don't see who's who's and and people will listen to them in their house and I said I've got a radio yep. I, and I really I'm didn't happy see, to listen to yeah. radio too that uh, was it told what music is That's cool and it. old yeah I, I have my collection of big finish CDs eight <laughs> albums worth um first appearance of David Tennant in a 
Doctor Who <gasps> show. Wow. Was as unit officer yeah. on one of those shows, which was produced by Russell T. Davis. Amazing. That's the sort of, uh, they call it Beardy. I've been reading yeah. Warhammer. I, I listened to the last pod, and there was a few things I wanted to touch on as well. Because you, you and uh, Rhea covered a great deal of stuff. Oh, God. Like, Rhea, I love Rhea. I absolutely mm. do. But, you know, she's like, she wants to talk about everything. And it was like, wow. But she analyzes everything. She she's does. Much more, I'm much more uh, instinctual, yeah, I would yeah. say. Um, but no, but that's, that's, again, the way she manifests her joy with these Oh, things. of course. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone, everyone does it very um, differently. And, like, now, here we are, like, for me, sort of 10 years, and I see what's happened in the industry hmm. and also like and i do take a great deal of um satisfaction in your career rick oh thank you i do, I do um because in many ways and i don't think this is the first time i think i've ever said this and i mean it from the heart when i started doing stand-up hmm. in like 2000 and it was in scotland it was in edinburgh i was oh, there okay, as a yeah. student yeah, yeah and um talked a lot uh, tried to talk a lot about comics, and mm. it wasn't a mainstream subject. No, no. Talked a bit about having a mixed race background. Yeah, and that was it. Was it was fulfilling, but at the same time, I think that's why I drew. I know now, looking back a bit more holistically, characters like Spock for me personally, mm, mm. and Superman may have had a background. I'd have conversations with people who, well-meaning, would say things. You're the um, because, you know, you'd have, like, the most generalisation. You're the working class actor, the gay yeah, actor. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. And sort of stare at me for a second and a half. No, and I and I really want to stress no malice or anything. No, of course, just, yeah, yeah. just that sort of, like, yeah, the, um, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and... Uh, You're that mongrel act. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sort of, the, the bi, bi, well, bicultural wasn't even a term going on. No, then. no, no. You know, and and when I say, I also just mean in terms of watching the joy spread that it has, mm. not just, but both outwardly in the fact that there's so many more conventions. Yes, um, yeah, definitely. That the middle-aged comic book guy, which many people sometimes perceive me as, <laughs> I think that's a generational thing as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, has been sort of like... Um, totally recombined uh, and reinvented with the fact that I don't think geek is that fringe anymore. No, There's I think people like you, you, yourself, yep. uh, Des, yep. um, Beck Hill, Bish, um, Ali, yeah. um, Imran Youssef, you know, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I remember so, booking him to do stuff about like when I, one of the very early shows, which was like 2006 mm. to do like a Q and A and he just nailed it all about computer games with, yeah, with yeah. the audience there. And in sequence, also watching my audience change. Yeah, you know, that's... I I, to I totally agree. I think there's like especially I yeah, you said mm. the ten years. I think it is actually the last ten years more so. Uh, yeah, where it has been, geek culture has now become culture. Yeah, I think definitely. more. Um, and I, I, for example, I was at, uh, I was saying to you earlier, yeah. I was doing a gig on an army base. Yeah, uh, last night, which was just like my. If, if I was looking back, if, if I was fourteen years old, put into that situation, I would have cried. It was like, yeah. oh my god, this is my worst nightmare. These are the guys who bullied at me at school. Absolutely, and I've got to go up there and make them laugh. But then, like last night, like I spoke and I was like, oh, there's a guy. He, he you know, I, was, I, you know, I asked people what do they like and stuff like yeah. that. And there's a guy there who's like, I'm into Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. He's into Marvel. He's yeah. into this, this, and the next thing. And it's like 
it's no longer a, a point of shame. No. To love these things or to enjoy, at least to yeah. enjoy these things. Um, and it's, it's really, really nice. And then like as well, like, so I did my, my other show, Star Trek versus Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, yeah. Which is like sort of my pride and joy. Mm. Uh, and what I've really loved is I've had people who have very little interest or maybe a passing interest mm. in uh, in either franchise coming up saying, we absolutely love this show uh, because it feels accessible. It feels like they can understand what's going on. They enjoy when people do get really far into it. But yeah. they also enjoy the fact that it's about the jokes and it's about the show and it's, having fun. It's, it's the passion that you always bring a certain passion to mm. it. And people respond to that. Yeah. They pick up the rest later. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's. I think it's great. I think it's nice that I. It's easy for me. I. I one of my closing routines now in mm. a standard club set, which yeah, you know, even five years ago would have probably been unthinkable. Yeah, is a story of me meeting George Takai. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you think about it. It's like, and it's got it's got the Star Trek references in there. Yeah, and it's got like it actually finishes on a punchline, which is all about Star Trek. It's a very Star Trek punchline, and. Um, it still gets that big laugh because now people understand because it's it's sort of gone into sort of mainstream culture. Yeah, where yeah, of course. People understand where the, the things are, and it's yeah. So it's it's really nice actually. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. But no, but I mean, okay. So Andre Kai, mm. I'm question there to you because you've done conventions and stuff yes. now yourself. Now that's another thing that has changed a lot mm. because when I started, it was actually Gary Delaney got me my first sort of convention. One. Okay, yeah. And let's just say the caliber of um people i'd be questioning yeah, yeah on stage i i did this interview with this one guy and all i can say was he played romulan 2 <laughs> and klingon 5 <laughs> and i i did this one because you i from what i understand you've done a lot of these sort of q a's where you kind of host the panels and stuff yeah, yeah now i took the approach of i'd always try and get 10 15 minutes from beforehand yeah and ask him what are the anecdotes for me to key the questions yeah you know, like, have you got a book out? What's the album called, right? And he went to me, well, they can ask me, absolutely. There's more to my life than being in Klingon, you know. I've been on Diagnosis Murder. Right? <laughs> now, dude, this is like 11 o'clock on a Sunday, yeah. right? I've just got off stage introducing Jerk Beast. Now, Jerk Beast was this bizarre prosthetic mm. kind of... Muppet draped in vomit bodysuit yeah, yeah, character. Yeah. And that had already been my 10.30 on a Sunday, <laughs> right? Now, put those ears on and put on a goddamn show. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, and when you talk about, like, someone like George Takai, you already have an audience there who are going to key in yeah, and they want to meet him. Have you yeah. had yourself, what would you say... Was George Takai a starstruck moment for you as a Trekkie? Oh, God. Well, I mean, like, the way I met George Takai, I was at a convention. So right. I wasn't hosting okay. there. So yeah. it was just meeting George Takai. But, yeah. Oh, God, I was. I mean, like, um, I go over it massively in my solo show. But yeah. it's like, when I... I love it how you've, you're interviewing me. I invited you. Oh, yeah. Invited. <laughs> yeah. But it's cool. Um, when I met George... So when I met George Takai, like, I remember very, very vividly growing up being like, he is the Asian. Like, he is mm. the number one Asian. Yeah. And I don't mean like, because there's a weird thing in this uh, in this country to be Asian is to be like Indian or Pakistani or yeah. whatever. That's how they class, that's how the BBC class yeah. the Asian. I mean, that's my de my definition. Yeah. When I say, because I walk up to people and go, I'm Irish Asian. Yeah. Um, And now I'm not, it's a podcast, so it's effectively blind. Yeah. I'm what's known as someone who would pass. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, so I'm Scottish Filipino and Filipino isn't 
it's like Eastern Asian, like yeah, yeah really Eastern Asian. And that's the same, same with like China. It's, it's putting the same sort of thing as Chinese, Japanese, Malaysian, yeah, all of that. People just group, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, George Takai was like the only person on TV who looked anything like me or my dad. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. It was like. It was like, oh, he's brilliant. And I always loved his character. I always loved Sulu. Um, yeah. Everything, uh, from uh, from the original series of him topless with a, yeah. uh, doing fencing under his yeah. from the Naked Now or um, uh, Spock, uh, Search for Spock where he's like throwing the guy over his shoulder yeah. or um, uh, Voyage Home and stuff like that or yeah. becoming, becoming Captain Sulu eventually. Yeah. All Excelsior? Yeah. Excelsior, yeah. It is the Excelsior, yeah. yeah. Um, so I've always loved that and I've always loved him as a character and then as a person as well all the stuff mm. that he's done as gay rights uh, and sort of the, the the fun he tends to bring to everything so when i met him when yeah. i had the opportunity to meet him it was it was absolutely insane and yeah it was that i think it was the first time in my life well i've met famous people before yeah yeah that's what i'm getting at because yeah. that's a different thing I've and met, it's yeah. a different thing so i've met famous people before and this time it was just like i I don't know what to say to you. Mm, like, yeah. And like, I remember, so it was, it was getting this photo taken with him. Yeah. And you're only given like 30 seconds to get the photo. Oh, yeah. 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 And you see people, you know, like, you know, so I was up there and I was like, and you've been in that line for a while yeah, so you've queued yeah, yeah, yeah. you've paid there's a real sort of just for the non-conventioneers in here yeah. like you you buy yeah, a ticket exactly. you line up yeah, yeah. and it's quite I, and yeah. this, is, this is his fourth photo shoot of the day as oh well. yeah God, so it's just right. like so how he's still smiling I have no idea and I remember just sort of going up to him and I was like do I say anything do I, what do I do what do I do do I say anything do there's I no do etiquette it? there's no uh, etiquette is and there? so like I go up and he's like I'm wearing like this I'm wearing my replica red shirt yeah of course yeah, yeah. Um, and he's like he, he looks at me and he goes you look good and I take the and I'm like I don't know what to say I don't know what to say back and yeah I, like, I just I kind of just smile right and look really That's, awkward yeah. like grimace right and I turn around and we take the photo and I turn around I remember like I was like, I need to say, and the entire time I was taking the photo, I was like, I need to say something. And like, it all just came out. <laughs> it was like, like this, like, I just said like all the words in the dictionary in like in no order whatsoever. <laughs> that is, that's so typical though. That yeah, is so typical. And, and it's, it's the first time I've really had a proper fanboy moment. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, I met the, like I last convention I did where I was actually hosting panels. Yeah. Um I met Julian Glover. Uh-huh. Um I also met um oh what's his name again? Played Boba Fett. Um Bullock. Jeremy Bullock. Bullock. Jeremy Bullock yeah. met him. Yeah. Uh, but I also met uh Ian McElhenney, who played uh Barristan Selmy yes. in Game yeah. of Thrones. And like I like nerded out over Game of Thrones for the mm. last year. I wa- I binge watched it, I've been reading the books and stuff like that. But his character I, I absolutely loved. And I remember like when I watched his character get killed mm. uh, um it was like I, I, every character goes ah oh, but his was like no because i expected so much more to come from his character yeah. and i was really gutted and when i met him it was just that other moment like when i was in panel i was like but i was like i was fine i was like oh yeah, yeah i'm a big fanboy and i'm a fan and i was like i really liked what your, your character and i really liked your i think you're a great actor and stuff yeah like that. and i was fine but like compared that to takai it was like i was all cool calm and collected but to Kai, nothing. Nothing. No. Just like, I couldn't do it. And it's totally... It, that's what I want to get at, because yeah. it's a totally random sort of thing. Yeah. It's not to do with um, how famous someone yeah. is at it's, all. It's what, it's what they've done for you. Yeah. Yeah. Have you yeah. had that moment? Have you? I, 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 I had. I mean, I suppose, for me, I'm very fortunate, because I was... 
London raised mm. and um, of all the good things of jolly old London town, all the signings were here. Everyone's yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, I didn't actually go to conventions as such until much, until I left. So I was already mm. sort of kind of jaded. So those times, I, I think, so they're very much linked to being a teenager. Right. Where yeah, you have yeah. a certain license. I think the worst one I did, in a sense of that, was uh, Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett were signing Good Omens. Oh, wow. Okay, and I turned up, so I'm guessing I'm about, I think I, realistically, well, I don't know, things have changed, but at that time, I thought it was acceptable for me to turn up with, at that point, 47 issues of Sandman. (laughs) And and that Neil Gaiman is going to sign each and every single one of them. Right. That's brilliant. And it's a long queue. Didn't register at all. Totally didn't register at all. I've been in this queue for two and a half hours. Just oh did not God. register at all. Everyone's got one right. thing. And you've got yeah, 47. Yeah, just 47 there and a copy of um, Good Omens. <laughs> um, Terry Pratchett tells me, do you have anything else to sign? No. Now, to be fair, Terry Pratchett, if you're not aware of this, was prolific. He was doing signings every six months. He's amazing. He was, he was, amazing. He was you know... Um, he was there with every fan for for all of that time. Now, in terms of so, so the faux pas bit, so I've turned up, I give Neil Gaiman my issue mm. one, and he goes, join the back of the queue afterwards. And he was a pro for doing this, yeah. I'd say. He signed, I had his biography of Douglas Adams that uh, Neil Gaiman had written, and he has a little thing that he does to every book of his. Right. So he wrote, like, in Good Omens, he wrote something like 668, The Neighbour of the Beast. Oh, okay. Um, in Don't Panic's The Name of the Book that he wrote about Douglas Adams, he crosses out the don't and writes now, exclamation mark. <laughs> so and then everything, everything, everything is completely yeah, yeah, personal. He's very, he's very, I think, I'm going to call it media savvy. He's part of that Stanley. People forget how much Neil Gaiman's culture and use of, mm. of branding yeah. is 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 comic book based from the bullpen from stanley and all yeah, those yeah, aspects yeah. that the idea of social media has not always been electric yes um yeah. fan clubs and so on and he just he just went completely calm and just went just join the back of the queue and um if there if, if you've got time i might sign a few of them thank you mr Gover, thank you very much at that point the the penny dropped and I left. The one I got hanging on was where I did basically yeah. what you did um, was Clive Barker. Right, Clive Barker is fascinated by at this point. Um, I would say so up until about I've been to Clive Barker signings about four or five times, mm. and each time he would spend fifteen minutes asking. Right, and I think there's a certain. Looking back, could only be some sort of insecurity. What do you like about my books? Really? He'd ask, he'd ask people stuff all the time. That's friend of mine, um, he he did a drawing of a mate of mine who has now been in regular correspondence. He's got a fantasy novel he's been working on a bit with Clive Barker. Mm. And it was purely through just turning up at the signing for, I think it was um, not the Great and Secret Show, the second volume right. of that. So that's about 15 mm. years ago. But he wanted to spend time with each and every fan. And then I'm standing there, and it's quite a small queue. Yeah. So he's like, so you, you like something? And I was like, what you said? Oh, very good. Um, <laughs> and, and the box explodes and there's spikes in it. How, 
How'd you do that? Right? Oh, oh my. Uh, and he was totally like, would you like a glass of wine? These guys wow. were like, because uh, again, you don't, it's, it's hard. I've had, you must have had people come up to you in the time that you've been doing mm. comedy. Yep. And said something along the lines of, "As really, um, not to blow smoke up your bum, but it's just one of these things where people go, you really affected or you really said yes. something that I haven't seen before or that I haven't necessarily yeah. related to. Mm. Um, now, I mentioned like my background. Yeah. And I know I started comedy in 1994. Right. Right. Um, on the issue of diversity... Yeah, let's just say um, I was doing a lot of get. I'm not. Um, uh, I'm a heterosexual guy, but it's a question at this point. It was a question of uh, there's the minority dude, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got um, you. Now there's allegories and so on that we could talk about on that, but then you would go and there'd be a member of the audience, often second generation like myself, who'd be like, "Yeah, I I really yeah, yeah. get that," and to me, and again, I think that stresses because it's not just about me as a person, it's also about where I was raised in London, so I wasn't the one in the school, mm. right? And it took me a while to appreciate that, in a sense. Yeah. You you suddenly have people come, or it could be about the comic books as well, but for me, when I started, those were the sort of people who go, you have moved or you've helped me feel better about something. Well, I, I've definitely found that. Yeah. Um, as well is and so it is weird to be sort of like I have my fan I've had my fanboy moment with George Takei I still yeah. have odd fanboy moments I think you people. will yeah uh, Robert Picardo was another one as well <laughs> that was I can't believe oh him and that was it him and Armand Schumann no 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 it was him and Sylvester McCoy yes came to see yes. my my show during the fringe yeah yeah because yeah that was a moment where I. Uh, well, because the way I started my solo show is mm. that uh, it wasn't a case of like empty stage, welcome to the stage. Yeah. I was in. I would welcome people into the room. I yeah. would chat to people, get to know what they like. And then in walks those two. And it's like, I have to work my way around the room before I get to them. And I run out of people yeah. in the room and now I've got to speak to them. And I'm like, it was amazing. Yeah. Um, but it's like, so like I've had, I've still get these moments where I was like, oh, this person is like someone I've looked up to. Mm. But it's really weird now is that, so having done that show, mm. um, I've had people, uh, so I had people during Edinburgh yeah. uh, coming to me saying, I've seen your show. It really, really affected me. Yeah. Uh, it, what you've done is amazing. And I was like, oh God, I, I don't know how to accept this. It's then, a weird yeah, one. And it, it kind of makes you feel, and then the other one was weird. I was uh, down in London maybe about mm. a month ago. Sure. Um, Doing, handing out some flyers uh, for Star Trek Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, walked into uh, a comic book shop. Um, yeah. And handed said, can I leave some flyers here? And the guys went, oh, we saw this show in Edinburgh. This is a yeah. brilliant show. And I was like, oh. And they're like, oh, you're the guy. And I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah. So it's weird to be sort of on the receiving end of that. So I guess I like, sort of like when I look at like how I've been, you, yeah. you realize they're still, they're just human. They, they've got to deal yeah. with that sort of level thing as well. It's, 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 it's hard because it's what, it's what's imbued. It's what, mm. what little people see. As you mentioned, a comic shop. Yeah. And I think it now would be a good time to point out. We've gone, we, we are doing the ultimate geek thing. Yeah. I so think. we're doing the Geekatorium podcast. In, in the back of Orbital Comics. Yeah. Orbital. In their staff. And they've been <laughs> kind enough to allow us 
um, a bit of privacy and a bit of space yeah, to use be, their uh, award-winning shop. <laughs> Will Eisner award-winning shop. Also, like just to kick it yeah. one step further, you know, one step more. Like, mm. what day are we recording this? On? It's new comic book day. <laughs> new comic book day. It's Wednesday. That's so. like geek meta. I know. So it's like we've gone. We've like hit all the points. Mm -hmm. um, what we've got, we've got Iron Man running in the background as well. Yeah. The movie. Uh, we've someone. We're both dressed we've up. We've got the cinema <laughs> stuff. We've got capes on. Um, the Stores open seven days a week. Do come down and check it out. It's a great the best store. collection. Um, here's one actually. I have sort of become the interviewer, I think, in a sense. Because it was have. New Comic Book Day. Yeah. I did take this opportunity to put you on the spot. You did. You right. did. Yeah. So now I'm picking up my really yeah, stash. So what, have you, what have you gone for? Right. Let's, so let's go I've gone for now. What I do is I select stuff. I try and just get a smattering just to get a flavour. I yeah. sadly I don't get to come in as often as I used to. So mm. getting regulars is hard. I've been really into the DC. Firstly. Really? So that's interesting. Really We're going to have a wee chat DC. about that in a second. Um, I think, well, firstly, price point. Yeah. Most of the DC stuff's been at two ninety nine. Right. So this this equates to about £2.50. Yeah. £3.99's come to sort of £3. Yeah. All the Marvel stuff is going to be three pound, three pound fifty these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that makes a big issue out of individual issues. Yes. Um, secondly, the DC stuff recently went through the rebirth well, about a year ago. Now. Yeah. So I'll, yeah. Okay. Um, now there's a big mega arc which they're bringing in the Watchmen characters and stuff. Mm. Granted, that's going on, but they've been very canny and they've kept that quite subdued. Yep. And your titles are pretty independent of each other. That's interesting. Okay. So they've managed to keep it quite accessible issue to issue. Mm. Um, they've focused on the big three for the multiples. Right, right. But they do stuff like miniseries a lot more, as opposed to Marvel, which are like the constant reboot. So I'm right. So here's my thing. I yeah. I start. I remember when the new Fifty Two came out DC, yeah. a few years ago. Yeah. And I went right. I'm going to jump in. Right now, I've been, mm -hmm. I've, been, I've been collecting mostly trades previously. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, right, I'm going to go for single issues. I'm going to do the new 52 because it was, that's it. So I did Batman, yeah. which was excellent. Uh, yeah. Like Court of Owls was just one of the best, and the death of the family. Yeah. One of the best things that ever happened. Um, I did uh, Detective Comics. Mm -hmm. uh, which was awful. I didn't. I didn't enjoy that. It, it was, was. Yeah. It was nowhere near the standard that Batman mm. did. Um, and I did Batwoman, which started excellently. Uh, really, really started off well. Um, and then I tried a few of the others, and it was like some of it was okay. Some of it was um, Harley Quinn. I enjoyed, but then it was like they're just turning Harley Quinn into DC's Deadpool. Uh, oh, definitely. I'd yeah. say they very much are those, those twin characters. Um, yeah. Gwenpool is almost like Marvel doing. Harley Quinn. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, I totally agree with that observation. Um, so it's fine. Most of it was fine. But then it started wavering. Yes. Um, so the first one for me was uh, the Batwoman, the big, mm. the big issue where they got rid of the entire editing team. Yeah. And it was like, and you could, there was a noticeable drop in quality. Oh, so much of it was related to, okay, because the titles that you have chosen, mm. Um, and from what you've said, probably unbeknownst to yourself, yeah. were the ones that were already in stone before the new 52 was going to begin. Right, yeah, yeah. So the bat stuff was what was going to be out regardless of the new 52. There was a Grant Morrison one, Leviathan as well, that sort of came yeah, out around yeah. that time. 
Batwoman again was supposed to launch a year beforehand. Right. And hence the problems with the editorial. They really didn't know what they wanted to do with the characters, I feel. They mm. wanted to make them younger, but it was like there's that episode of The Simpsons where Homer is voicing Jimmy the skateboarding oh, dog. Oh, Poochie. Poochie, yeah, that's right? It. Yeah, yeah. And I think they totally poochied yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of the lines because the ones that were selling strongest, definitely mm. the bad titles, were the ones where there was a game plan already in motion. Yeah. Um, J.H. Williams' work on Batman was amazing. I mean, these are still art books first yes, and foremost. Yes. Um, anyone who says otherwise can try and read an Alan Moore novel and come back to me <laughs> when you fail and cry. So that's... That was the big problem there, okay. I think. So now we've got the new DC. So, so now we've got the new DC. And um, out of what I've got here, let's have a look. Batman and the Signal. Mm -hmm. Now, I've picked up issue two of a three-issue miniseries. Yeah. I've been reading Metal, which makes absolutely no sense. But <laughs> the beauty of DC is they've understood how to bring back bombast. Right, okay. All right, everything's sort of over the top. The Signal's a character I know very little about. Um ostensibly sort of like another apprentice and I want to see how that works out. So there we go. I also noticed that Snyder as well, Scott Snyder. Yeah, so Snyder's, like, Snyder's always going to be a mock quality know, to me. You know you're going to be safe. Yeah. yeah exactly. Super Sons, again, it's Damien and um, Jonathan Kent. Okay. Right. I've been enjoying those characters, so I want to see what the kids are up to. Cool. Batman is pretty much a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, Superman, I want to see what's going on. These, these Again, I've gone for the classic Superman, Batman, and the ones that I'm really more interested in, in getting my hands on was yeah. this one, Brave and the Bold, which is the Batman-Wonder Woman dynamic. Oh, okay. So rather than Superman, Batman was finest, and also it's Liam Sharp. Now, Liam Sharp is someone who's been working in comics mm. for mm. probably about 20 years, yeah. and then with the relaunch of Wonder Woman, recognition has gone up a gear. Obviously, his, his work has improved as anyone's would. Yes. But there is something about him and Wonder Woman made such a great match yeah. that it's just become a real art. Well, I also found that was the highlight of the uh, the Batman Super Batman versus Superman and Justice League. The, yeah. The highlight was, the, is, was Wonder Woman-Batman relationship. Oh, well, it's... Yeah. They were both... the How they played off against each other and the characters were... They were the they were the more fleshed out characters in the well, world. Well, it's, it's also the the fact is I mean, Heikatia, uh, a trade from a few years yeah. ago, sort of touches on it, although very briefly. I think Batman is often overstated on the cover, right? Um, but when you look at the Trinity, mm -hmm. you have to look also at the fact that we are talking about two. They are the two who are sensibly aristocrats. Yes, yes, they are. Yeah, they're, um, yeah. they are the two who understand war yep. more yep um tactics more yep um superman's um liberalism comes from its own sort of um from his own power base really yep. in a sense he doesn't ha he hasn't had to necessarily make those decisions no um batman faces them every day uh wonder woman was raised with concepts like the god of war mm. so there there is more of a of a link with them than one would necessarily think yeah and i've always in, enjoyed that sort of interplay between them brilliant so um, what's this last one now, the last one i've got now this is more because i i do like gail simone <laughs> and again it's it's wonder woman and conan oh which goes to the god. other end it's the, totally the other end of the spectrum brilliant. because this is just gonna be like gail simone 
knows how to write. Yeah, she's um, great. Yeah, she's great. Um, I, I, I do think that she doesn't get enough credit for a lot of her work because she did a lot of work on the back characters with mm. Birds of Prey, and also uh, just one of those popular. She is the person who invented the term frigging. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, for those who don't know it, although I very much doubt that <laughs> if you're listening. Um, Girl Simone started, again, uh, social media many, many years ago. Carl Rayner was created as a Green Lantern substitute, and in the first issue, his girlfriend was chopped up and put in a fridge mm-hmm. in order to motivate his heroism. Yeah. Um, now we know that as a trope, and it's called fridging. She was the one who wrote those big articles about it. Uh, or rather really brought it to the fore yeah, yeah, yeah. and worked her way through DC to become quite a renowned writer herself. And in terms of the Marvel stuff... Right, so yeah, this is... I've just gone for uh, Venom. Okay. Again, I just like a bit of bum. And this is the thing. This is... The, for those... You can't see it at home. It's Venom holding a Venom flag and behind him is a Venom Iceman, a Venom mm. Psylocke, Venom, Venom Beasts, Venom X-Men, basically. Yeah, yeah, it's Venom X-Men. Yeah, Venom yeah. X, Poison X. Now, I don't know anything about what's going on in this That comic, is bizarre. But that, yeah. that's all I need to know. Cool. I'm going to get my it, sort it? of read yeah. that. And as for Avengers, I'm, that's just the big event. So I just want to see what's going on in there. So Marvel's another one. So like Marvel has, again, in the comics, they've, they've, had, they've been... Uh, Quality has been up and down that, again, in the last they, few years. Well, I think it's because they force weird arcs. I heard this very interesting um, chat about Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan, right, specifically. Okay. Now, Kamala Khan is a character who came out of left field, mm. right? Great character out of this sort of Inhumans saga. Really well realised, because I, I always think what Marvel has often been best at yeah. is they know it's about selling the character. You're not buying Superman, you're buying Clark Kent, you're buying yeah, these decisions, yeah. you're buying Bruce Wayne, right? And you're buying Kamala Khan as a teenage girl in America right now, right? Um, why they went wrong with them and what we saw in terms of losing sales, there was a point where Ms. Marvel was outselling, Kamala Khan's Ms. Marvel was outselling Star Wars. Wow. Right? In terms okay. of single issues, right? They lost those sales because of the continual reboot. She went through something like seven issue ones in two years. Jeez. So if you're a newcomer and you've gone, hey, there's this teenage Muslim female character and I'm like a 14-year-old girl and I'm new to comics, this could be my gateway in, you're not going to follow all this dual numbering. You probably think you've already read that issue one. Yeah. So next thing you know, you're picking up issue six and it's not to well, the one, you know. Yeah, I've, I've definitely found that with Marvel, is that you, yeah. would, you would find that uh, you'd start a series and then it'd be... I, so one, ones that, one of the ones that annoyed me was all new X-Men. Yes. So I started and I was like, okay, we've brought the X-Men from the past into the mm. future to try and fix things. This was all of the fallout of AVX. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was fine. I kind of dealt with it and I was going, this is okay. It's not great. It's not the best X-Men I've read. Yeah. But I'm enjoying it enough to keep wanting to read. Like there was, yeah. some, there was some stuff happening. Like you know, it was quite fun having. There's a ratio yeah, to yeah, sort yeah. of reward. Yeah. And then suddenly, because um, I used to get them delivered to the house, I used to get yeah. a subscription. And suddenly, one ep- I picked, I got it delivered to the house, opened mm. it up, and suddenly the Guardians of the Galaxy are there, and I'm like, how? Oh, he started dating Kitty Pride. Yeah. Yeah. And I was yeah, like, yeah, of course is, he did. How did this happen? Like there's there was no sort of and it turns out you needed to have actually read three other and not just yeah. not just like three other issues, but like yeah. three other 
stories. Yeah. Uh, so three three completely separate comics. Yeah. Uh, arcs to get to that arc, and like they'd covered them all in three other arcs, and then gone. Now we're here. And I was like, that's really jarring because there are a lot of people who do want to just they just they, they just want to get yeah. all new X Men. They just want to have yeah. uh, Iron Man. They don't want to see these massive jumps between. No. The, and so it can be quite intimidating, I think, for especially for new comic book. Well, readers. I think that's that, that's that's the, that's the crux of it. It mm. is about you know I think of myself like I mentioned before the mm. idea of myself as like I'm a forty plus guy. Yeah. Um, this is the stuff I picked up. I've just gone for the big bangs. Yeah, really. Um, because I'm, I've got limited time. This is how many comics I'll get. Blah yeah, blah blah. Yeah. We, right? And I say this in the most drafted area of someone who's worked in comic shops and stuff. Yeah. And this is the counterpoint to that is the old guard mm. are not. And first, I really want to stress this because I do think it's a misapprehension that it's the old guard who somehow have a problem with change or diversity in comics. More often than not, that's not the case. What yeah. you're seeing is a social media image of younger people actually who it's, have got their own petty little it, there's, there's, al- there's always a small minority the small yeah. the small vocal minority the small vocal minority mm. and they're not I mean I saw it like when I when I was growing up mm. right I grew up with Secret Wars and Iron Man was black yeah. it's not about War Machine because it was Jim Rhodes for, yeah, for yeah. Those, those years Captain Marvel was black right you know because it's very you know well, these this is these are not new things to um a reader of an age yeah but the thing is i didn't need to read i didn't know who captain marvel was um and i stressed that because i didn't know the nature of captain marvel's ability everyone knows who's iron man was by the time i was reading secret wars because he's dude in suit right yeah of course yeah um and you can buy like that if i handed you the secret wars trade anyone the secret wars trade it doesn't matter about the power sets or whatever you'd get the idea of what's going on now let's flash forward to civil war Right, the Civil yeah, War collection. Yeah, yeah. And it's something Mike Belgrave, a uh, big comic fan, does a few shows himself, might do this as well, um, pointed out. Now, he went, because I'd been reading them all because I was working in the shop at yeah, the time. Yeah. You buy the Civil War trade, yeah. you will not understand what's going on. Oh, no. Um, I've got the Civil War trade, and there's jumps. Yeah. There's massive so, jumps. like, that, that in and of itself says that is a bad collection to mm. say the least yeah. or that is not a mini series when you've got so in order to buy in order to do the civil war trade yeah. you then need to buy the fantastic four civil war trade you need mm. to buy you need to, they, they, there's like lots of different jumps you have to buy and you have to buy them all yeah. otherwise it doesn't make any sense and yeah you're right that is that would be like saying okay uh here's star wars yeah but on this bit it is only the parts that have han solo yes but if you want to see the bits that have Luke Skywalker, you have to buy the Luke Skywalker Star Wars. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? It's like, it's a bit like what's happening there. And it's, it's, it's annoying that comics have sort of done that. Now. Well, I think, I think this is why the DC stuff appeals more because it's more returns for me. I am quite confident I can read those issues. Yeah. Right. And I'll get my thrill out of it for, mm. for whatever. Um, Marvel is still having that problem. Do you think this is related to how they've approached the cinema universe? Well, I went to a convention about a year ago um in you know because we get around so it's like Bermondsey you know yeah. the high life oh, of our yes. lives yeah <laughs> right and it was mainly some of the British artists and writers and they said something now I've still six minutes the thing about Marvel is they're not comics anymore they're R&D yeah and I think given the fact of what they put out 
now is stuff that's quite capable now okay yeah the the expanse of the screen has changed mm. um so you can do a lot more cosmic stuff yeah but they're not really challenging no. i think for both of the both of the comics publishers to survive really as as comics they need to start doing stuff that's more uniquely comic book and stuff like the perspective changes um squirrel girl has done some fantastic stuff where you're sort of following the panels choose your own adventure oh yeah, yeah, yeah. um there's even some weird and fantastic gatefold stuff in snyder's uh, court of owls where you turn it upside down you know um and that is to bring it back to that medium. To you, this is how you no. want to digest it. Absolutely, I think that's that's what they have to do. Take those more narrative and stylistic chances, because mm. the other end of the spectrum of the guy who would buy Thor and hate Thor. There was a guy who'd buy Thor, hate whatever they do with Thor, and we turned to him. This is way back. This is like mid nineties. So I was working in another shop called Comic mm. Showcase. I mean, do you want to cancel your standing order? I mean, I won't be able to finish the set then. Because it was all about the numbers. Because there is yeah. still the collector mentality of... But that guy was in his 50s then. And I don't want to be morbid. But I see that mentality very much like being the Klingons in the undiscovered country. Okay, so the old guard. Uh... The old, well, it's just it's just that will not that will not survive. Yeah. No, it's absolutely. Simply, it, just, it just simply yeah. will not survive. Well, especially we live in an era of like... Uh, Kindles and mm. electric, electric, you know, like the, um, it's. I, I mean, I love yeah. having a physical comic book. I really do. Yeah. Um, but there is something about the fact that you can pick up an iPad or a tablet, any sort of tablet, yeah. um, and you can have you can have your entire thing with you as you yeah. go anywhere. And they're doing some cool stuff with that medium as well. Like you know, where you can do the panel by panel. Yeah, yeah. The narrative, the control that, of it. That's yeah. the future, and that to say. So you're saying like you know the, the old guard of like collecting just for yeah. numbers and stuff like that. That will die out as well because suddenly there's no physical thing for them no. to have a value of. No, there won't be. And then it goes back. So then it goes back to the storytelling. It has to be strong Definitely. stories for them to actually sell. But the the requirements of that is to do, and this gets into broader sense of yeah. economics, living expenses, making a living as a writer, making yeah, a living as an course, artist. Yeah. Now, um, the money hasn't gone up. No, and it's that, and you know this from comedy as well, <laughs> is that you meet guys and they'll go, well. I only got a hundred pounds for when I used to do that gig, and it would take me five hours to get there. Yeah, but your flat cost you twenty five shillings a week. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying you didn't have a hard time, but you're not acknowledging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to look at the rates of interest in someone's lifestyle. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I just more an tangent. I think people now that I think you're right. There's going to be a return to writing and a return to art being the forefront because. There's nothing else is going to save it but good stuff. Yeah, it has. Um, and you can't rely on on brands branding in the same way. Uh, it was only about less than ten years ago they were talking. Warner Brothers were going to fold DC Comics completely, mm. and they were going to merge it and just give it all outright, hundred percent copyright TMs to Cartoon Network, and just fold the publishing arm. Really? Yeah, because I mean, ultimately, and it is about IPs. Right. I wouldn't yeah. have been reading this stuff except for you know. Superman 77 you know 78 you know that's where when people go oh movies are ruined comics you probably wouldn't be reading comics if it weren't for movies I was going to say yeah it's it's, they exist together it's It's a symbiosis I love I do love being a geek I love Mm. all this stuff 
Um, and again, it, it comes down to what you mentioned earlier. It's, it's just, there is that small vocal minority mm. who just really, really annoy. They, they, they moan about everything. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. You were talking about diversity and how yeah. actually most people are up for diversity. They see uh, a black female Iron Man and everyone's yeah. cool. A female Thor, that's cool. And then, yeah. as long as, you know, it's like, we're always like, as long as it makes sense, then fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's about story. Um, like, I, I think one of the biggest examples for me, like, I don't know, what I remember mm. reading uh, of this is a small vocal minority, yeah. was Discovery. Um, yeah. I have not met, I've only, actually, I've only met a handful of people who don't like Discovery. Yet, if you were to believe what you hear online, every Trekkie hates Discovery. I, I've been watching The Orville instead. Yeah. So, um, but, I've yeah, watched, I, you, as a Trekkie, yeah. um, you've enjoyed Discovery. I couldn't, I know I've watched both. You know. Um, so I've watched Orville, and I've yeah. started to enjoy The Orville. Yeah. Um, it takes time to get, it's yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's not easy, is he? Seth's not easy. Yeah. Can I just you know that's yeah. the easiest way to put it? Yeah, he's. It took a while for it to find its feet, um, and some of you know now it's sort of found its feet. His yeah. stories are getting better, and I'm enjoying it more. But I've really enjoyed Discovery. I thought Discovery has done. Discovery has done like if you look at what the the, the nature of television yeah. shows now. Uh, you look at the Marvel TV shows, but then you yeah. look at stuff like Breaking Bad, Walking Dead, Game of Thrones. You know, people want stuff that they can binge on, that they can follow episode after episode and mm. see things. You know, the 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 singular episodic thing that was a nineties thing. That was yeah, last, that was last seen really in the nineties. Yeah. Nowadays, people want to have the overarching story so that they can binge and watch the whole thing, and. So for me, Discovery has brought Star Trek up to date with that. But then funnily enough, Star Trek did it first. Star Trek did it with Deep Space Nine. Uh, Deep yeah, because had... it started from about season four, but Star Trek, well, it's... Okay, no one likes season one of The Next Generation. No, it's awful. Um, because See, of lack of... and it's cause Well, it was, it was trying to be the original series. Well, I think it was also... But it's something... you Because you touched upon it with, with, with your um, interview with Rhea. Because mm. with the first series, you still had a ostensibly big bad of the Klingons yeah. and Romulans. So there was yeah. still an external threat to create yeah. a dynamic. And there was still a personality tension between Bones. You know, yeah. they are the id, ego and superego collectively um in a lucid sense when those guys are, are fighting the brains and the heart and the yeah. leadership um because everyone had to get on so well the lack of narrative conflict or or ship conflict of course yeah and then when you talk about deep space nine it's really only i think about season three season four after babylon five because you cannot have a stationary setting yep and everyone gets on yep. and everyone gets on well because everything with a ship could be external. Yeah. So there had to be internal politics. Exactly. And so like what, but then what also fascinated me as well, it was in the backlash in the, in the run up to discovery mm. again, again, coming to the small yeah. vocal minority, people were like, Oh, black female lead. We can't go for that. And it's like, well, no, we had Cisco black male lead. And we had Janeway female lead. We've had, if you are, uh, if you're like sort of getting angry at something like Star Trek, for having diversity in it, then you've missed the point of Star Trek. And I feel like with these like these small vocal minorities of people who and they do it with the comics as well, yeah. they do it with everything. 
it's like they're missing the point of what these things are actually trying yeah, to do. But let's let's I I feel that the first thing that any of these people should do yeah. is when they make their comment, I want to see a picture of their receipt. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. I want to see a picture of your receipt. Yeah. And then I'll give you the time of day and for the 30 seconds to look at that receipt and then I will ignore you. Yeah. Um, because I've got a receipt too. Yeah. Right. Um they don't affect anything often um more recently the idea of captain america being a hydra agent um created this real furore of people who didn't read comics and i want to go back to a couple of things that when hal jordan was made evil mm. right in the back of that issue after emerald twilight i think it's like issue 49 yeah all right and the commenter said there's a lot of people who are going to write in and go how much they hate what we've done with hal jordan and had him kill all the green lanterns and so on can i just say that none of them are buying this comic <laughs> the sales are so low we can do and they would just just yeah. just state that now that's a 20 year old statement cisco is unfortunately uh let's we can't avoid the facts that for example and they tried to deal with it later with stuff like the episode where he's back in time yep being a science fiction writer oh but I they don't that. want him to admit that he's black yeah i love that episode. um there is also the fact that when that series was made, that behind the scenes they were deciding his rank and they decided he could not outrank Picard. Right, yeah. Um, decisions were made subsequently. Obviously, he's become the emissary and so on. But there is a problem within the background. Um, the conversations about now um, not having met him, uh, I've heard related in regards to George Takai, his view of Sulu as a gay character. Yeah. And why he would have liked to have seen a gay character at the time. Yeah. And um, oh, Roddenberry basically saying, and I'm really crudely paraphrasing here, mm. I've got you in a horror. Um, that's all I'm going to get out of these people. Well, they, that comes down to, you know, the... He, he he knew that as a as a backlash to the uh, the first pilot. Yeah. So you you know why the first pilot was rejected. no, I didn't. Okay, so the first pilot with uh, Christopher Pike. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and there were there were two two things that they said was a it was too cerebral, so too too thoughtful for a standard yeah. audience to get. But the other one was, and also no one no one will accept a female second in command. Oh, right. I wasn't aware. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, so the, yes, the studio heads been, were like, yes. no one will accept that. No one like so. Roddenberry was yeah. pushing, yeah, yeah, for that, diversity. Yeah. He's like, look, in a hundred years, in two hundred years, we are going to have diversity. People yeah. are, and they were going, no, no one will accept that. And it's like it, it, it was. It's a result of the time. Like everything's a product of its time. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of people forget that as well. Like. Uh, you know, there's like that thing going on right now, like people are like complaining that Friends is oh yeah, things. but and I again, I think it's a small vocal minority, but then I also think it's a a media exploding, taking a small story and making it actually yeah, bigger than it actually that's, is. That's that's Fox Pops. I mean, but I also think those people, those individuals, yeah. who do feel that way, are forgetting that things are of everything is a, ev art. Art yeah. as it is, whether it's a TV show or a painting yeah. or uh, whatever, is a product of its time. Um, what is acceptable at that time to talk about? And then there are some things that will push the boundaries, but there are some, and like, you know, comics were pushing boundaries. Well, it's, it's a package, it's a, it's a package deal. Look at, um, I don't know, Black Lightning, Black Panther is just mm. making loads of money. Um, all of these comments about the more recent Star Wars films, they were all making loads of money. None of these arguments have any quantifiable no. sense no. firstly i do want to touch on the friends thing because 
there's two things there. One, I hate to say this as a middle-aged man, but I feel a lot of those stories are just, for want of a better word, anti-millennial propaganda, where they take one or two tweets from someone who's feeling a bit vacant that day, right? And two, it's also implying that those conversations weren't happening while Friends was on. I know that I, I, I sat there and, like, I wrote gags along the lines of, and I share this now, but I didn't feel comfortable or confident enough with an audience going, mm. hey, do you remember that episode of Friends where Phoebe was dating a black guy? <laughs> right? Yeah. Now, yeah, yeah exactly. that, and, and it that was, was not... something that occurred to most people, Yeah, I think. But that's the funny Watching. thing. It's like, it wasn't until about, what, season... Uh, much much like season yeah. nine, season eight or nine. Yeah, that um, Ross dates Charlie. Yeah, um, the, the, so and it's like it took him that long to have yeah. a you know character of yeah that wasn't yeah. white. Um, no, I think you're right. I think there was. I think the, yeah. I think it's interesting to touch on the, the sort of millennial thing. Yeah, because I do think there is a huge backlash against millennials. And I think it's totally easy. unfair because I've act- done it. Yeah. I've, I've, I'll be the first to say I've done it, but I like because I like to consider myself irreverent. Right. I think in okay. comedy, I think we all yeah. do because you go, well, of course, my irony or whatever will be intrinsic. Yeah. Now, when we're on a stage. Yes. It is. Or in something that is really well, obviously yeah, well, as, as... As a comic, you have yeah. like a an unspoken contract with the audience that they understand yeah. that... Um, yeah, that there is a certain irony and a certain thing that's going on where we're like, look, we are commenting on this thing. Yeah. We may not necessarily... It's exaggeration. Yeah, exaggeration. We have, yeah. we have a dramatic Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, so, no, it's interesting. Because like technically, if you look, if you go by the, um, the actual classification of it i'm yeah. a millennial yeah you're yeah. just yeah just, yeah just done that yeah. yeah 35 i'm yeah. just a millennial Aww. and i would agree with that because i love smash out of yeah. <laughs> what's wrong yes. with it there's, there's nothing wrong with it right i like pies yeah. i'm over 40 i'm having a pie <laughs> we, I, we could we could reboot life on mars between us oh, i know you can right. be john sims oh, i'd be, be amazing Hunt, can i play just, can i play him as the master though that would be <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that we'll do it. As we'll Saxon. That. that would be amazing. Yeah, that's that's it. It's, so, so growing no, up, yeah. what was your first geeky thing? Like your first geeky love? What was well, your Well, and, and I think this is why I, I bring up it's it's difficult because one of the things I don't like, and I don't and again it's sometimes hard to, to disengage myself from it, mm. is this conversation about diversity isn't in and of itself a new thing. No. Um and I'm glad. I definitely know myself. I feel more confident about discussing certain things. Yeah. Um, there are things which I used to go, oh, this audience isn't going to get it. And I'm talking both in terms of my heritage and in terms of comic books. And stuff, yeah, right? yeah, of course. Um, now, growing up, I would say my first influence was definitely Superman. And this is, I, 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 I don't mind quoting it too much now, because that was my first one-hour show, was Krypton to Clapham. Okay. Right. And I, and I think it's a good example of how... Because for me, Superman was someone who comes from, uh, who has all of these great abilities, but is ultimately the ultimate migrant. <laughs> right? um, and again, I mentioned that I'm someone who passes, I wear glasses, yeah, I'm, quite, yeah, yeah. I'm normally quite mild mannered. Yeah, no, one, no one's seen you and Superman in the same room. room. Yeah, Never, yeah. you know. Um, and that hit me in a certain spot right. when I was growing up. Because he was a guy who could do all these great things. It was actually, you know, stuff like 
being a journalist got me more into writing. Oh, okay. Um, the fact that he wasn't necessarily of the same sort of cultural background. Yeah. But par, you know, there is a secret identity yeah. element to him. And that things he would draw on and just the notions of sort of moral code, which definitely I got a lot more from my parents, but <laughs> he definitely embodied yeah. a great deal. And it was the sense of uh, of achievement and not only optimism, you just do the work and these things happen because compared to, to Batman, okay, because all <laughs> Superman has is his natural attributes. Batman's he comes from a working class. Batman's the 1%. Family. Yeah, Batman's the one percent. He's totally entitled. Yeah, like, but, but yeah, Bat- Batman would be cutting corners. He would yeah. be making sure KFC didn't get any chicken. No, like, he's, <laughs> he he he's he's uh, ostensibly Scottish. <laughs> he's he Wayne Manor's from Scotland. That's that's the grandparents are Scottish, yeah. and like, and they go, oh yeah, when we moved it brick by brick to Gotham, and go, yeah, that was a tax dodge, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, that totally, was a total man. tax yeah, dodge, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Um, there's always money in the banana stands. Yeah, there's always money it. in Wayne Manor. That was <laughs> it. Yeah, and then I think definitely sci-fi, Pratchett and Adams, definitely big deals. Yeah, definitely big deals in terms of language, just humor, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of my perspective, so the social commentary that is inherent in anyone's work, yeah, is is definitely there from from Pratchett and Adams, and then later on, I would say what got me into. I did a degree, as I went on, got a degree in literature, managed to get a master's yeah. in film, is uh, Neil Gaiman in later years because it was that push of language yeah. that I wouldn't necessarily have had access to. I remember just those snapshot moments you remember, like talking to a mate of mine going, of course your house is posh, your parents got books in it, right? <laughs> Which says, I think, a bit more about my house. You know, yeah, really, yeah, it's yeah. quite an unsophisticated statement. <laughs> but... I love, it when you, I love it when you're considered posh for having books. It was just that, you know, it's just that knee-jerk yeah. sort of teen statement, isn't it? Um, with them and genre, particularly horror. Yeah. But yeah, definitely comic books were my main thing for my vocabulary. Um, from, the, from the start. TV shows, not so much, but it was definitely going to be one of my first loves. And like I say, Pratchett, Adams. Um, now, you've asked about what would I put in this book? box oh we'll come to that in a bit so don't okay, worry so about it yeah. but then as as i went into uni warhammer okay cool. i got Warhammer role-playing massively ravenloft was more so what you, who, sorry ravenloft which is a sort of a horror version of dungeons and dragons oh okay i'm not it yeah. was basically you took out the dragons and you put yeah. in vampires and uh, the paladins were not as powerful they could be corrupt it was a lot more like warhammer okay but using the warhammer system. i was definitely yeah. into yeah. well this is the pitch they're taking on uh warhammer they're taking on new authors right now because yeah. you touched a bit about the reboots yeah now i'm trying to get my way through them the Age of Sigma, which, as you said, because it's not about the mythos. I think you were right in that. It's not about the mechanics. The mythos is what makes yeah. Warhammer yes. appeal yes. to people. You don't, and this is the thing, like, uh, Brian Michael Bendis is about to do Superman. You don't have to do an origin again and again and again. Yeah. I, I didn't need, I didn't have an issue one when I was nine. Yeah. We didn't really well, have... Well, I think the ultimate example of you yeah. don't need an issue one mm. would be Dread. Judge Dredd. Yeah. Because Judge Dredd has been going... Fantastic. The story's just been continuous since it yeah. started. And yeah. you can jump into Judge Dredd at any moment. And, yeah. And instantly get an idea of what's going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, like, yeah, we, you know, I spoke about this with Rhea. Mm. Um, it kind of annoys me with Warhammer is that they had all this amazing mythos, this amazing yeah. backstory, uh, like the big, thick books and everything like Realms that. Realms of Chaos. Yeah, and I loved it all. Yeah. To get rid of it all mm. and say, we're just doing this now. 
it felt like, well, no, keep all of that stuff. Change the mechanics of the gameplay. Yeah, that's fine. fine. Yeah. Make it easier to play and more accessible. But yeah, it's all about, we want to know about, like I like, I loved, I had a Skaven army and I yeah. loved all the backstories about the different Skaven, like the different yeah, sort of yeah, characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you'd have, the, you'd have the little figures and suddenly, suddenly they had more depth to them and they were more fascinating. They had know? more personality as, 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 as sculptures and this is the thing. So I was trying to read through Age of Sigmar books because I've, I've, mm. I'm always applying for, yeah. for for jobs, creative jobs. <laughs> um, and I've, I've got like half well, a dozen pictures, aren't. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you just say... Um, now there's two things happening. Age of Sigma, which there is no real cohesive sense of a reality there. Yeah, uh, I've read a couple of the books now, and they talk about these warp realms. Right, and it's like, yeah, but you've got this realm of fire and realm of beasts. But where is the actual geography here? I'm not saying I want a map. No, but, but I'm, want... I want a sense of like, how does a villager live? Why? Yeah. What are people actually fighting yeah, yeah. for? Otherwise, it's just like just a battle arena. Really, it's not uh, a civilization. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and in <laughs> I want to know where Dave goes for his yeah. shopping. <laughs> well, it's, it's it's when Dave goes to shop. So something about Doctor Who that John Pertwee said. I think a yeti in a hill doesn't mean anything, but a yeti in the toilet is frightening. And by that, it needs to be something relatable mm-hmm. to give a sense of of, of the scale. Yeah. Now Warhammer fifty thousand now effectively they've gone on. I think yeah, forty two thousand. So they've brought in this whole. New realm of space marines. Now they've kept the mythos there, right? Right. I don't know if you're aware of this, but and this is what I was pitching to them, right? And I also tried to work out a story. You know, for those of you not lis- uh, listening, not that familiar with Warhammer, you can only have male space marines. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Something to do with the X chromosome. Now they've rebooted this line of uber space marines. So my argument would be, if you're really in dire straits, wouldn't you rectify that problem? Yeah, yeah. So you need yeah. numbers. Yeah, yeah. Of course. So then you're right. Go, yeah. You need you need numbers. So I wrote this little treat. So the idea of someone who actually basically cracks that code. So because space marines are sort of augmented from host planets, so you could take a woman from this host planet, augment her to be a space marine. But of course, the world is never that great. Where people go, well, of course, we've got twice the battle numbers. Mm. That would be seen as heresy. And that was my little story art I wanted, like, trying to work on. Wow. But going through the other stuff, like, when I say Games Workshop made it quite clear, they just wanted it to be guys. They made it quite clear. Really? Oh, um, that's not... Just through their sort of oh, ethos stuff there. And shame. I was like, but you've got... And also, there's the fact... In the most basic level, actually, um, I'm going to go way back to 1992. Mm. Travis Williams is writing for White Wolf Games. Again, another thing. That yeah. And um, he wrote this article and he said, Dark Sun. Right. Right. For those of you not familiar with it, Heavy Desert, Heavy yeah. Sun, right. And he turns up to TSR research. So why are all the dudes white? <laughs> all your artwork. All your yeah, artwork. Yeah, it makes all perfect it, sense. Yeah. All of it is that. And it's a perfectly the, the art, sensible question. It's a question. Yeah. question. And they went, oh, we, we don't really know. Now, I, I'll accept that that's a blind spot more than a, yeah. necessarily a, a, a plan because I myself um, wrote a letter to Travis and White Wolf going, yeah, but that is really what Americans are about. I mean, I'm mixed, right? My mate, um, Hanny, he's Muslim and we've got a German GM, but really, that's all you guys do, right? Now, I wrote that at the age of 16. Right. Now, I think the reason why I really want to emphasise this is because 
I have the beauty of not having put that online <laughs> at the age of 16. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. And I got a fantastic letter back from a lady called Kathleen Ryan, who went on to write a load of the mage books yep. and has worked on, I think, some of the Buffy stuff since. Okay. Who did a breakdown and went, this is your perception of America, but your perception of America is through these games in the first place. Right. And that is the whole point of what we're trying to get across. Yeah, yeah. I am a lady who plays these games and does design them after all. Okay. Now that is a lot of patience and a lot of articulation. And she laid that something. Yeah. She sent it international mail <laughs> to just 16-year-old dude going, is it, Yeah, isn't it like you know that, that's it nowadays? It's like back then it's like yeah. it, it, people would take time to think about what they were gonna say because it costs money to make well, a to have a response, it. and you know and nowadays it's like I can send a hundred or two hundred and forty characters of anger without actually thinking about what I've said. Yeah. Um, and then you go like, Well, you're an idiot, and then you don't oh, I'm not gonna back down now because I've yeah. made, I've said this is now in the world and people think that that's my opinion, so I've got to have this opinion. Yeah, and that's the thing, yeah, that's, isn't it? That's Whereas that's what's changed. Where, yeah, yeah, and it's it, it is frustrating, but it's and yeah, it's frustrating as a as a geek to see that happen and stuff like that. But I do think we're at a better point now. I do think like when I've been at conventions mm. uh, and when I've seen people who come to my shows, and definitely, again, it's great to talk about uh, diversity and people and people are so much more up for it. I, I think, think I it, think that I think they are. I think I think it's it's kind of a myth. I mean, and there's also yeah. some blind spots. I can remember there was a real point for me because, and the reason why I wanted to mention that stuff is I think it's very easy to get the high ground about yeah. diversity sometimes. Is now I'd started doing my like crypto stuff, that was 2006. Yeah. Um, it took about 2012. Now I, I'm sitting there and going, and I kind of go along in tandem with the Big Bang Theory. We've adapted and we've evolved with it. <laughs> yeah. Right. And the show itself has adapted and evolved. Now, when I started, my audience physically looking out at them. Okay, so I'm in Edinburgh. So that kind of cuts things down a bit already. <laughs> right. Um, uh, and then 28-year-old guy, predominantly um, straight pale males, my age, maybe slightly older. Right. Right. That changed over that time, but... I was like, well, it's not like there's anything chauvinistic in my work, particularly. Or it'd be like, oh, there's a lady in the audience. I shall woo her. Do you like zombies? And she like might giggle and say, yes. I go, oh, I don't know. Because, you know, geeks yeah. don't know how to talk to girls. Right? Cheap gags and whatever. 2012 was the first time I stood in front of an all-female audience for my show. Wow. So you had about 20 women yeah. there to see a geek show. Yeah. And again... I've said, and I've gone around, are you sure? Because there are times I've gone over to people, and it's not just women. I will say, are you sure you're here to see this sci-fi thing? Because they're free shows, so you, yeah, you do yeah, need yeah, to yeah. put in a bit of filtering. Yeah, of course, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, just the minute you go, is this going to be the funny man? No, this is the Jedi stuff now. If you're going to be there or not. Um, and I did. I was asking, are you, are you here to see, see the show? And I said, yeah, yeah. And the fact is, I spent that hour on that stage quite entertaining probably a three-star performance from me being very self-conscious right of some of the jokes i would do about relationships now i come mm. off after that stage if i am that convinced of my material not being yeah gender specific overly laddish or dismissive of female fan base yeah why would i feel self-conscious 
Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I see so you saying, have yeah. to take those events and kind of cherish them to yeah. make yourself grow. Absolutely, at, yeah. At any point. Yeah, they're not something to, to hit back against, to no. trying to stop the tide. It's, a, it's something that you're, right, well, okay, so what can I do now to make myself better? How I can, yeah. yeah how, how do I, I grow? Yeah. How do I make sure that I don't put myself into that situation so I don't repeat those feelings? How can yeah. I make myself better? Um, and I think that's that's the beauty. And I think that's the beauty of, like, sort of uh, performance. Uh, yeah. I think it's the beauty of, like, being a comedian. I mean, that's all like, levels of it. Yeah. But, yeah. but also, I think it's the beauty of being, like, a good person. Uh, if you're... And I, I think, like, mm. especially, like, in the geek culture, it's like we, we expose ourselves to, like, through... Books, comics, yeah. uh, TV shows, movies, podcasts, yeah. uh, all these things. We expose ourselves so much. We take in so much more information. And it's great to sort of have so many differing points of view. We don't Definitely. all agree. And yeah. I think it's great that when we don't agree, we talk about it. We don't, yeah. we don't like, just go, ah, you're wrong. <laughs> ah, you're right. I, I had a guy. <laughs> just like, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a guy. I had a guy. I had a guy in Star Trek versus Star Wars. Yeah, uh, last week when I was doing in London, uh, and he didn't. He wasn't a fan of um, Discovery, and okay. he, he was the only person in the audience who wasn't. Right. Um, I made. I obviously made the quick joke of, "Look, everyone's entitled to their opinion. You're wrong. Yeah, but you're entitled to yeah, it. Yeah, within the confines. Yeah. You are the ho- you yeah. are the man in charge. So I'm allowed to. Yeah. yeah. But actually, you know, we'd spoken afterwards and yeah. stuff like that. And we talked about it. We talked about he preferred the Orville, preferred Discovery. And I was yeah. like, that's great. Understood why. And it's like, it's not for everybody. We, you can't expect everyone to love everything that you love. No, no. But neither do you love everything wholeheartedly. Because yeah. as you grow up, yeah. frankly, is you understand the flaws of something. Yeah. And it's about the hit ratio rate. I call it. You talked about Lost on your last pod. And <laughs> the reason why I bring that up, because, again, the progenitor yeah, of yeah, this yeah. from the Prime Universe with me, uh, Gannon was a big fan of Lost. God, it would have been he a time. He was massive. Time, he was proper. Yeah. He had all the boxes and everything. Right? I uh... So, to me, there is uh, answer-question ratio. Yeah. And that there is a certain formula to it. Too many questions, not enough answers within four episodes of Lost, so I left. Yeah, and that's and by the end of it, it was even worse. Like the ratio, uh, yeah. was yeah. I mean that, the that that's the thing. As long as you you can keep asking questions, as long as you resolve the one behind Fringe, I think was a fantastic version yes. of that. About four episodes in, they took three points from what would have been done in one episode, and it was just a guy putting a glove using the teleporter to get an apple through the yeah. thing. And I just went, oh, that's fantastic because there is a point to me having seen those previous episodes. Yeah, other I, than their own entertainment, yeah. and that is the ratio sort of thing that you need to have. That's interesting. I didn't and I use that. Now, there is also taste as well and so on. Like I said, Orville, yeah, Seth is not to my taste on a number of things, but I'm not going to get into outrage culture because once you accept a certain irreverence, there is a problem in social media in that what I say to you from a stage, mm. what I say to the, even this, we're not talking in the same way because we understand there is a third person in the yeah. room. Yeah. Um, and I hope you enjoy. But... People go on social media. They don't look at it in terms of how old do you have to be on social media? All right, here's a quick question. How, what's the minimum age to be on Twitter officially? Officially, isn't it 16? 13. 13. See, now, you can't see Rick's expression, <laughs> but you can see his brain from here yeah. doing that, oh, my word, oh, my word, oh, my word. Yeah. Right? 
Now, when I discovered that, I've been trying to make my tweets protected as in you have to be 18 or above. Okay. All right. Same same on Facebook. Now, obviously, Facebook is a bit different because you're controlling your friend's settings. But really, social media has to be something that you would let any 13-year-old oh, wow. technically hear. Yeah, that's that's mad. I didn't even think of that. So, like, yeah. Because, it's, because, because Twitter, Twitter itself mm. is... They talk about that it's like, you know, they, they, they take down accounts out of this, that, and the yeah. next thing. But they still haven't taken down Donald Trump's one, even though he's actually... Oh, my word. Yeah. It's just traffic. Yeah. You, you have access to literally anything. Twitter, I feel, mm. is like one of the last bastions of what the internet was like when it first came out. Like a Wild West, where like literally anything is accessible. Literally. I, I the, the preface is, when it first started, there was a whole load of effort you had to do to get online. Yeah. It's the difference between me writing that letter... Mm. At 16, posting it, sending it, having my views questioned and corrected in a mature yeah. way from someone, right? Because I had to think about writing yeah, that yeah. Um, and go, well, it's all just like, who needs a black Spider-Man? <clears throat> right? Is the difference. Yeah. And Definitely. so there was a filter in and of itself in the first internet, in that. Yeah. The so, PC, the access. But then what happened? That, was, so what you had, like, you had, like, your... Do you remember like AOL? Uh, yeah. Is it? And stuff hey guys. Like, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah, hey guys. I'm uh, hip. Alta Vista and stuff like that. You had to, you had to, you had to go. <laughs> you had to go in through those things mm. to get to the internet. Yeah. And then those things went, and it yeah. was like you just had Internet Explorer or Safari yeah. or whatever you used. Uh, those two. Those were the two yeah, options. Yeah. Uh, and basically, it was like you can go anywhere. You yeah, that's sort anything. of point. And yeah. that's when it became the Wild West. Yeah. And over the last, since about two, since about 2008, actually. Yeah. As Facebook sort of grew in power. Definitely. Uh, and sort of, it became almost, it's now almost like a, a gatekeeper mm. to the internet. Um, oh, very much so. Uh, so now everything goes through Facebook. If you act, if you find something, like if someone shares, if someone, if you want to, what what used to happen? Like I used to have like bookmarked. Uh, I used to have like oatmeal, yeah, uh, cracked, um, all these things. All oh of, like, yeah, yeah. I, that's if what, I wanted yeah. to find new content, I'd have to go to that website. Yeah, read everything that's on there and find, find the content. Yeah. There. Whereas now on Facebook or Reddit as well, yeah, people will share certain things and only certain things. If you have enough people who share it and share it back and so that yeah, get pushed through. So now these are gatekeepers. Mm. And Twitter, I feel like, is the one where it's like. That doesn't matter. You can literally go into Twitter and you can type in something and it will it'll yeah. bring up anything. And so when you're telling me like 13 is the age, yeah. I'm like, oh God, I really need to be watching what I'm doing. Well, I think I think it's because again, this is something that may we've I've mentioned briefly. So there's my my brother's got two kids and we're yeah. all very close. Now my nephew's now gonna be eight very soon. Yeah. And my niece is five. And like I say, we spent a lot of time together as a family. So um, like for example, Rogue One. Right. Uh, all right. Um, <laughs> oh god. I, I watched that oh, god. and I went. Um, and I said to, to my brother, I don't know if you really want him to see this. Yeah. Because I watched it, and again, and it's because it's something Rhea said, and you sort of mentioned because you watched it as yourself. Now I watched it with half an eye on these younger, specifically younger people. So whenever I see stuff like my niece has got her selfie totally down, and she's five. Wow. Now that's kind of worrying. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's probably why I look at it in that sort of way. Again, maybe that's the generational element we sort of started with here because you're sort of where 
I was five years ago in the midst of the comedy and you're, you're, yeah. you're very much in the embrace of, yeah. of all this technology by doing this. Yeah. Um, whereas I'm a bit more like, oh, hey, old man, and just being that bit more distant about right. it, yeah. I think. Also, because I'm looking at, forget millennial, sorry, dude, but like I'm looking at those teenagers yeah. those who are pre-millennial yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. And that's where I think this stuff needs needs to be thought out mm. um because it's not like when i was a kid watching horror films that i shouldn't watch because that was very contained you didn't well, have the control yeah. of it right and you knew what you were doing was wrong so that already filters a certain also element. there was like a direct consequence if you watched a horror film you got scared and then that's like, yeah i, I, I <laughs> got a funny story like i yeah, um, like scary movies uh, well, the f- I remember one of the I, I I watched horror movies when I was a kid, and I remember yeah. the first time I saw The Shining, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's like mm. like that's like oh, like an amazing film. Um, but the first time I watched it, um, my parents used to own a hotel. Oh, <laughs> and we oh. Li- and we lived in the hotel. Okay, right? Yeah, that's oh. So God. I watched it. In the, yeah. in the bar of the hotel. Yeah. And I had to walk through the hotel uh-huh. to get to my room. And, like, w- you walk through the corridors. And, like, at one point, like, to get into where our flat was, our accommodation, yeah, yeah. Um, behind me was a big, long, dark corridor. Oh. And I had just watched The Shining. And so, like, like that that's the thing. So, like, that was pre-social media, stuff like yeah. that. Um, I watched that. My mum had told me not to watch it because <laughs> I was going to get scared. And now I had to deal with the consequences yeah. straight away. There's no, yeah. consequ- yeah, there's no consequences. It's- no, because there's, because there's no filter on what's yeah. good, what's bad. So yeah. you can watch something. You could watch someone being... You can watch a damn Hussein being executed every day with yeah. no necessary filter yeah. to inframe that, to say this is not a normal thing. Exactly. Um, and that's where, uh, back to Rogue One in a more yeah. sort of don't know right. 12, because Batman, 1989, yeah. I was 12 when Batman came out. Okay. Right? So I got to see that. That's mm. great. And even then, only very few cinemas showed it as 12. Most places showed it as 15. 15, yep. So you had to find a place. Spider-Man, first Sam Raimi Spider-Man, yeah. right? Released as a 12, backlash because of the public. Yeah. So that's when the 12A came in, yep. came in which is now the standard... And um, the BBFC recently said, if we knew what would have happened, we wouldn't have done that. What do you mean? People are sending eight-year-olds to see oh, Quantum yeah, of... The, of watch, course, yeah. Watch, I want to see uh, Dark Knight and the Joker and the pencil trick. Oh, God, yeah, right? of course, yeah. And, like, you saw kids... I saw, like, six-year-olds crying. Daddy's pulling them out, and Daddy's miffed because Daddy's wearing his Dark Knight Frank Miller T-shirt, right? That kid didn't want to see that. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's the problem because there is no oh yeah, just chuck it at the kid for half an hour he'll be fine. So given yeah. that, and I do feel a certain sense of social responsibility. I I it's not for me to tell someone how to raise their kids, mm. but it is up to me to decide what I deem is appropriate material that will be put on in a very free way to potentially a 13 year old yeah that's what i can control now my youtube channels for example i can put explicit and so on okay they can lie <laughs> right but that is a formal choice of filter but there is a filter yeah you and know got that. and i think 
in terms of comedy and also in terms of comics because I do think there's not enough. I wanted to touch finally on this. Like my nephew's, like I said, now eight. Now mm. you touched about on identification before. Yeah. When I was five, five. Now my my nephew is like myself, right? My my brother yeah. met his wife in India, right? Now he's more conventional. If you meet my nephew, he looks just like a, an eight year old Asian kid, okay, yeah. generation, right? And he turns to me at five and he goes like, uh, "Robin, mum and that's like uncle. Um, why why do all the good characters have blue eyes?" If you watch manga or animation, it's almost all blue. Mm. And I was just touching a bit on something you said there, because it's about identification when mm. you're at an old, younger age. Yeah, yeah. And all the stuff that we're doing now is great. Uh, personally, I think it's ref- I think it's refreshing to all audiences, actually. I think yeah. everyone's had enough of watching yeah, yeah, definitely. certain punchy face man, right? So in and of itself, this is what... You know, it's not only... A minority that makes Black Panther earn something like four hundred million. Like <laughs> you know, it's like someone bought those Billy Ray Cyrus albums. You know, it's <laughs> like you can't you can't just sit there yeah, yeah. and claim, oh, it was the woman vote or it was the pink pound on yeah, things when yeah, they're definitely, massive. Yeah. All right. But what is there for his age? It's now true, he yeah. watches Teen Titans, he likes somebody he's got a much broader interest, he likes He Man and so on, don't get me wrong. But I think there is also a problem that while we might sit here and go, okay, we're the infantilized 30, 40 somethings. Yeah. What is there now? And I think needs to be a push for, for the eight to 12 year olds themselves. That's the other side of the coin. Of course. Because what is there now? Because I could handle, I can hand him secret wars from the eighties, but I don't think I could hand him certainly your choice of (laughs) hit girl, hit girl. Yes. Right. I'm not going to hand that to an eight year old. Ah, love hit girl. (laughs) But yeah, you're right. Yeah. Kick ass hit girl, that that type of stuff. You could not. Yeah, yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. I mean, in terms of the future, the other aspect of it is they need to start broadening the age range. Because how do you know which Batman to hand a kid? That's very true. That's very true. Because um, death in the family, some of the stuff yeah. that was in there, you would never. No. Yeah, yeah. So okay, that actually brings us nicely. If we're talking about the future, yeah. Um, what would? So there's a thing that we do as yeah. Yes, which you only were talk about about to bring it up is we have the geek arc. Yeah. So it's a ma- It's just something that we can preserve little geeky things for all time. So for yeah, you, uh, you heard Ria's one was a very interesting choice. Yeah. Of deductive no. reasoning. Yeah. Uh, Des went for. Ecto one, yeah, with everything in it, and I was like, "Des, that's cheating," but he still did yeah. it. We've had uh, we've had a lot of others um, as well. So we've had Batman's purple glove. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that. Uh, one. You know what that means. Yeah, um, and we've had loads of other ones. So if you were to preserve something, yeah, for future generations, forever, yeah, in the geek arc, what would that be and why? I would choose. I had a thought about this, and I've decided. And I'll be quite frank. I voted Remain, and this is a <laughs> this is a Brexit choice. Um, We've just totally. lost fifty two percent of the listeners now. <laughs> Fine, they're all all right anyway. So not enough Hawkman. Um, I reason why I chose it is because I do think that we talk a lot in terms of diversity in a sense in terms of what is brought to us, but in mm. terms of a, a moment of outreach from me. Now, I reason why I mention it is that yeah. I was part of a scheme called Erasmus when I was okay. at university. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, this was a European exchange scheme. Yeah. Um, I had the choice between Spain, France, Germany. Now, I was 19 at the time, um, didn't speak any of those languages, only speak English. 
um, and I chose France on the grounds that if it all went wrong, I could get on that train. Right. Right. Then I go into the meeting and I mention this because I do think that this says a lot about how those 52% turned up. And I would go into the meeting and go, congratulations, Rob, which country do you want to go to? And I went, well, I, do you mean which? I, I only applied for, for France. And go, yeah, um, Rob, you're the only one who applied. You wow. don't meet any of the requirements, really. Yeah. You, I did it as a punt, like wow. a Dave Gorman-esque punt, yeah, yeah. right? Um, but you are the only one who applied, so therefore we are obliged. We really need to send someone. And you're the only one who applied. So I go to France. Yeah. I don't speak French. Right. So the only way I've got now, I'm studying English literature. The courses are in English, so it's got... Yeah. And so on. So that in and of itself is fine, but I have no way around anywhere. I don't know how to order food. The social aspect yeah. is what you're struggling... Yeah. Uh, typical, like what they, they call roast beef, which is the stereotypical Englishman. Yeah. Right. I went into a place, ordered a strong coffee. They handed me an espresso and I went, is that it? Because I had no concept. Yeah. This is 96, 97. Yeah. Like, where, where's, where's the rest of the where, yeah, yeah, yeah. In a cup. Um, <laughs> I don't want uh, a thimble. I want a cup. cup. <laughs> I um, was, there's this character uh, called Spiru. Um, kind of like Asterix. Okay. And what there was, was there was a, a magazine published by Time Out. So you had all this stuff for expats. Mm-hmm. And they had this French character called Petit Spiru, who was like this childish character. Yeah. Kind of... Uh, Benny Hill impish kind of naughty schoolboy yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was my go-to in terms of learning how to read and write ah, French. Brilliant. Um, because it was all very farcical. He'd like kick a vicar in the bum. Yeah. Um, yeah. draw rude boobs on the blackboard kind of thing. But that was my go-to to about reading and writing French uh, because it's what well, is pure eyes well, pure eyes unfair because they have a very different sensibility. Um oh, so I would put Spiru, Petit Spiru in there simply because I think that it's to to remind myself because by that I learned a lot more about Barn Destiny. Mm-hmm. I choose it because it's my gateway to understand that it's not just about diversity within the English language. Yep. But also my own experience, and also if we're going to leave Europe to to understand the importance of not just multicultural but multilingual society, right? Yeah, and I would want that to be there because it needs both for me and also for that moment where you understand that there is different perspectives in the world. You may not agree with them, but we do respect them and sometimes admire them. So I choose Petite Spiru. fictional character well that goes into the arc I've got a small red capped boy he actually got a film yeah at Christmas he got a live action film fantastic I've been trying to buy it but (laughs) it's not going to come out over here buy it we live it it. (laughs) just just watch Spiru in live action 20 years on it's it's bizarre it's kind of like another example is actually the other thing I'd mention although that was more of a personal thing, is my nephew, I mentioned identification. Mm. Netflix is actually great for fantasy and genre. Oh, it's outside amazing. of it. Um, the thing I'm trying to learn a bit more Hindi now, um, he's bilingual and we're trying to like learn more, to, more of it together, yeah. is a cartoon called Chota Beam. And the thing is, it's on Netflix. Yeah. And like, if you're in India, if you're in Kolkata, 
you will buy action figures. You will buy T-shirts of Chota Bean. And he's kind of this small kid. It's uh, it's very much, in terms of watching it, it's very much in the style of the old sort of 70s, 80s monkey. Yeah. Um, it, he's got his own sort of version of Hindi Avengers, right? The animation is terrible. It's absolutely dire. But it's just that panning back, panning forward. Did you did you ever see that? Um, uh, so I, I love Pixar. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, but did you see that Pixar short? Yeah, uh, I know the one about yeah. the, where his dad's trying to get him to pray properly, and he turns him into sort of the three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I absolutely it's, love it. Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's 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 how kids. R- relate to stuff yeah. and I love that because it's just totally non-verbal brilliant um, well super yeah. s- <laughs> it's something like uh, super shiva team or something yeah, yeah something yeah, like yeah. that that's um, brilliant but, I, yeah I, I yeah because little. it is you know look father some relationships family relationships which are at the heart of everything are not really a cultural thing family dynamics are pretty you know standard, you know, yeah. standard. Yeah. um and that's why I think, and likewise, like why genre always um, pushes those things. It's part of the nature because it's progressive. Because one narrative has to be progressive. Mm. You can't even, even, even uh, zombie whatever. Um, everything is a question, yep. and everything is in in yep. the air when you talk about genre work. Um, and two, and again, this is why I emphasize this. I think there's a very maligned notion these very minuscule voices like the people who go oh I can't believe they don't understand friends really who is putting that conversation out there yeah, exactly is it, you know that no. that it's not even about loudmouth 65 you've got to who's decided to bring him to you look at the motivation behind yeah behind yeah because again those gatekeepers are probably the ones just wanted to stoke yeah and they're the ones I question more than some yahoo Brilliant. So, yeah. have uh, before we wrap up, do you have yeah. anything that you want to promote? Like- um, I've got my shows coming up in Brighton. There'll be Rob Depp, a stand-up guy, and you can follow me on Twitter, which I will uh, be checking as long as you're over thirteen. So <laughs> That's one of my rules. Yeah. Um, at Rob Deb, R O B D E B. That'll be all. I'll put that in the links and everything like that. Yeah, um, fantastic. But thank you so much for thanks being a part for of having us. me. And um, also, t- uh, big thanks to Orbital Comics. Oh yes, award-winning story in Leicester Square for hosting <laughs> us and allowing us to record this here. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Rob. Thank you, Rick. <laughs>